can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. All right, so I want to talk today about the saturation index because we hear a lot about that, especially, I mean, it's growing in popularity with the creation of apps or at least apps coming into the world and becoming more popular on iPhones, on Android, and so on and so forth, just with today's technology. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of apps out there and the pool industry is no different. We have dosing calculators and then we have this saturation index thing. Yes. But is this the right tool for the pool industry? That's what I want to look at. That's what I want to talk about with you today. That's what I want to talk to all our listeners about. Get your LSI apps ready because we're going to put them to the test. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you this. Why is the saturation index important? Um, well, it tells you whether or not your pool water is corrosive or scaling. So it helps you balance. Okay. It helps you balance, say, for example, you can't really do anything about one of the factors. You can always change at least one of the other ones to get you closer to ideally the zero. Zero? So I always yeah. like to, well, you say factors, and we can go into that a little bit, mm -hmm. but every value, every, every there's, a, oh, I meant value. there's a set of, <laughs> well, there's a set of factors that you have, right? Where each value is assigned a different number. And then you have this mathematical equation where you do some calculations to determine whether or not the water is in balance. Yes. But realistically, what we're looking at here is pH, total alkalinity, calcium hardness, temperature, mm -hmm. and then total dissolved solids, right? Yes. Those are the, the values that we look at. And of course, if you're using cyanuric acid, we need to take that into consideration. If you're using borates, we need to take that into consideration because there are a bunch of other things that can lead to an increase in total alkalinity that that total alkalinity will pick up. And we only want to use carbonate alkalinity, which is the measurement of carbonates, bicarbonates, and hydroxides, nothing else. So I didn't know that about uh, borates contributing to the total alkalinity, unless we said that. Just a smidgen. And I forgot. Just this. Okay. We did not. Okay. But it's just a smidgen. And in fact, if you've not been including it in your measure, you're probably not far off anyway. Okay. But the way I always look at it is, is if you have four fat kids on a seesaw. Okay. And and each side is perfectly balanced. So you have the same amount of fat kids on one side, at least the same weight of fat kids on one side as you do fat kids on the other side. Okay, yes. So let's say one of these kids decides they're going to lose 10 pounds. What happens to the seesaw? It's going to go up or down. Uh, it's going to become unbalanced. Yes, it will shift in the other direction, right? Mm -hmm. So what has to happen now is either that other kid on the same side as the kid who lost 10 pounds has to gain 10 pounds or somebody on the other side needs to lose 10 pounds right. to balance it back out again. That's what the saturation index is. It's nothing but four fat kids. <laughs> okay. Is that we're using, well, at least the mathematical equation. I mean, that's over, oversimplified, gotcha. obviously, but 
something goes down, something else has to come up. It has to balance it out. So if the pH was to drop, that means then the total alkalinity would have to come up to keep it in balance or the total alkalinity, the calcium hardness, temperature, any one of the three or a combination of the three to counter the drop in pH. The same thing if the total alkalinity dropped, then the pH calcium harness or temperature. You follow what I'm talking about. So, but yes, you're correct. Yes. So what's the danger in corrosive water? Well, you have the danger of etching and pitting in the plaster um, or in, in the surface of the pool, I should say. And then you can also get skin and eye irritation from that as well, depending on the pH. So mostly it could damage the pool. Mm -hmm. That's the big concern, right? Yeah. Okay. And what's the danger in scaling? Uh, well, scaling, you have uh, this calcified stuff all over the place that presents itself in different ways, depending what it's attached itself to. Calcium carbonate. Calcium carbonate. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, you get that all over the place. <laughs> and that can... Clog up develop the filter, on the surface of the can, pool. It can develop on the tile. Yeah, it can stick to. It will build up for sure. So um, you can also. I, and this is just a question for you: Is when people talk about, oh, the pebble is so rough. You know how like people in the homeowner group will be like, my friend was in the pool and it like scraped up her bathing suit and my son's feet got tore up. With scaling would cause that too, right? Like. What were they swimming with friggin' Freddy Krueger over there? <laughs> That's I mean, seriously, they come questions? out of the pool. No, where they come out of the pool, instead of a leg, they have a bloody stump. Well, not, I've not seen that Not yet. that extreme, no. It's just this... But their bathing suit is shredded, somebody's... and it looks like they've been attacked by a herd of mad cats. No, not that serious. <laughs> no, but, you know, just like you have your bathing suit, and then you look at it, and it's got that, like, fluffy, like, you know, some of the stuff was snagged, the material... You know, I guess it, it it depends on what you're doing in the pool. If you're sitting on the floor of the pool and dragging your ass across the bottom <laughs> of the pool, I just, okay. well, I'm saying I mean, you know I don't know calcium, how to even answer like, that question. I'm saying that calcium scale would make the plaster more rough than it usually why? would be. Pebble Tech. Yes. Okay. Good. But I don't understand why that was a question for me because you knew what you were going to get when you asked well, it. So I just wanted to make sure I was right. Jeez. And you're absolutely correct. That could contribute to that and lead to a rough surface that could be abrasive. So kudos. <laughs> so the Langelier saturation index really has nothing to do with anything with exception to protection of the vessel, the pool itself. Yes. That's all it's all about. What about vinyl and fiberglass? Does it matter there? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Exactly. And calcium matters, 100 matters in those pools as well. Well, you're 110 million percent correct. See, can vinyl liners nowadays. Can I be 100, I be 100 they, parts per million instead of percent correct? Sure. Yeah. You're 100 parts per million Hooray. correct. So here's the thing. Vinyl liners nowadays, they actually manufacture using calcium carbonate. They've found hmm. that in vinyl that has a percentage of calcium carbonate greater than 7%, that corrosive water can remove that calcium carbonate from the liner. Because the acidic water is just dissolving it all away. Well, because it needs the calcium. Water has to have so much calcium and it has to be, it has to be saturated to a certain extent with both calcium and carbon. Because then it's just going to, the water's going to pull the calcium from wherever it can. Correct. It'll cause it to dissolve. So we want to get to the water to the point where it doesn't dissolve those things. And we do that by saturating it. And that's the goals that we shoot for in this saturation index. Can you clear up a myth for me? Because we don't. Real quick. 
Sure. The reason that your skin, that your fingers get pruny in water is because the calcium is drawing it from your, uh, the calcium, the water itself is drawing the calcium from your body. Or is that a myth? Is that, is there any truth to that? Sometimes in class, I'll say that, you know, if the water doesn't have enough calcium in it, it will get it. And what's the nearest source of calcium for the water in the pool? And of course, the correct answer is the walls and floor of the pool. But every one out of 10 classes, I get somebody that raises their hand and say, people bones. People bones. Oh, no, that was me. I just, I'm just, I was that guy. The bones of the people, (laughs) the bones of the people that swim in the water, that's the nearest source of calcium. You have got to be freaking kidding me. But... To answer your question, it has nothing to do with the calcium at all. This is what scientists believe. They think, or at least they theorize, that the blood vessels beneath the skin actually contract, and that's what causes you to get the wrinkles. And they think that this is an evolutionary measure to prevent slipping if you happen to be in a body of water for long periods of time. So it's to give you better traction, kind of like the bottom of a sneaker. So it does wrinkle up, and that's what they think the purpose is. So, okay. So back to the saturation index. So it's important, right? It is important. Does it, uh, what about uh, fiberglass pools? We talked about that. It's also been shown that fiberglass pools that have a low calcium level tend to have more problems with cobalt staining. Now we know cobalt staining is caused by pinholes in the in the finish, right? In the acrylic finish on the pool. Mm-hmm. And then the cobalt actually bleeds through, but maintaining a higher calcium level tends to keep those stains at bay. Yeah, and I've had a... So it does play a role there. Well, I've had a couple of fiberglass pools, too, that uh, get real chalky, and and you get white on your hands. They just need to be resurfaced. Well, the... If that's the case. There was a couple where I checked the calcium. It was, like, way low, and I raised it up, and it helped. I mean, it didn't go away, for sure, but... I put them to, I put them together. So sorry. Sorry for my dumbness today. (laughs) That's not, you know, you know what? There's no such, the only dumb question is the one apparently that you asked. So anyway, (laughs) there are no stupid questions, just me asking questions. (laughs) So with that, (laughs) I'm going to get hate mail. Um, So does it have anything to do with, the health of the water itself, as far as protecting people, as far as bacteria, as far as algae, as far as things along those lines? Um, I, I would say the only way that you could maybe relate that would be with the pH level, since chlorine is less effective in a high pH. So sometimes when you do, okay. sometimes if you play around with the apps, you know, there's like you mentioned, there's a bunch of them, but some of them you can like play with different levels and input things. And sometimes they will recommend like a super high pH and that gets you at a zero, but you still have to like play around so that you can get an acceptable pH where you're going to have effective chlorine, uh, where your, your chlorine will be more effective, I should say, and still get that low or as close to zero on the saturation index as possible. And like we said last uh, time when we were speaking about a pH, that that only applies to pools that do not have a cyanuric acid level, right? As far as the pH affecting the effectiveness of chlorine, because if cyanuric acid's in the water, it starts out much less effective to start with, and it's more of a kind of horizontal plane as far as the pH effect chlorine's effectiveness. Now, see, it's right? not so fun to say, is it? <laughs> chlorine's effectiveness, pH of 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyhow. So wait, you're saying that if there's cyanuric acid in the water, the pH is, or the chlorine is, that relationship the pH is less of a factor. Oh. Yeah, that relationship ceases to exist. I see. So. At least not near the same extent because it already starts out low. Okay. Okay, cool. I gotcha. However, in a pool without cyanuric acid, when the pH gets higher, we do it the same way. If you just add more chlorine, you'll get the same effective amount of chlorine in the water because we increase the dose of chlorine, just like what we do when we have cyanuric acid. So more chlorine is the solution in both cases. I like it. It's like the health of the water. What about what you said about etching and pitting? Could that not, I mean, if the surface gets to the point where it starts to look like an English muffin, right? Mm. The plastic surface gets all those little nooks and crannies <laughs> in there. Isn't that basically thousands and thousands of tiny little dead spots in circulation? That is true. I've had pools that had like just pits, just very bad, like the movie Holes, just pits, 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 pits. pits. And yes, they collect algae. Um, it's a pain in the ass to brush them because then all the stuff underneath kicks up. And you know what? Maybe I was wrong earlier and the pitting and etching is actually what's causing people to not want plaster you, surfaces so because think, they're too rough. You think that's the one they drug their ass across? <laughs> yeah. The one that's all pitted <laughs> and has, you know, uneven levels and just pokey parts and scrapey bits. All those pits, all of those nooks and crannies could create thousands of tiny little dead spots in circulation. And that could be enough for algae to get a foothold. Not could, they do. And then start to grow. They do, right? I've seen it. If you're going to get black algae in a pool, it almost always starts in an area where you have a dead spot in circulation. And if the plaster's deteriorated to the point that it needs to be resurfaced, it's going to be a lot easier for algae to get established. Mm -hmm. Algae getting established, getting a foothold in the pool, makes it a lot easier for it to colonize and grow and expand and make it an even bigger problem. It just needs to start. The easy thing to do is to prevent it from starting. But once it starts, algae gets a lot more challenging. Especially when you just have this, little bits of it hiding everywhere, like butter in an English this, muffin. It could be. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. So the same thing can hold true for bacteria. You want to keep your pool bacteria free, but if you have dead spots in circulation, that means the water doesn't circulate as much or as frequently in those areas. So they don't get chemically treated as often, which means that they're more prone to be problematic. Mm -hmm. It provides like a coral reef, all the nooks and crannies that the fish go in and swim in and hide in. It gives them protection. It's the same thing. Ew. Bacteria can chill out. Algae cells can chill out. And they're virtually protected from the chemicals you add to the water because it's not being treated as frequently. Right. Yeah. Kind of like when you go snorkeling and you poke your head up underneath the reef, there's all kinds of little fish under there. Same thing. I bet if you were a tiny diver, you would find all kinds of algae growing underneath it. Elton John sang that song, correct? Tiny Diver? <laughs> no, that was Tiny Dancer. Ti is no, Tiny, he was the guy on Who's the Boss. No, that's Tony Danza. <laughs> all right, so getting back to what we were talking about here. <laughs> Tiny Divers. <We've, laughs> so uh, back to the saturation index, you know, you want to know, you want to hear a funny story? I do. I would. I love funny stories. <laughs> the Langelier saturation index that we use was not created by Langelier. I did not know that. 
So the guy Langlier, he actually did come up with a mathematical equation to use that would determine the potential. So it doesn't mean that, yes, it's definitely scale forming, scale is going to come out of the water. His formula determined the potential for calcium carbonate precipitation. Is that why sometimes you so, have the CSI instead of the LSI? His was called the PHS. Ah. So it's PH and then a subscript S. That's what he his, he called his okay. PHS. And his formula was used only to determine the potential of a body of water to precipitate calcium carbonate. It didn't mean it was a done deal. And it didn't mean that if you exceeded that, that you were definitely going to have a problem. One of the fallacies that we accept today as truth is that if your water's scale forming based off of the LSI, that means you're going to get scale buildup. Yeah. If your water's corrosive based off of the LSI, that means your pool's going to get etching and pitted and you're going to have those types of issues. And originally when he sat down and did this and the way it's been accepted for decades and decades is it's not a done deal. It just means there's a greater potential, kind of like having a phosphate level. Okay. You have a greater potential of having an algae problem if you have phosphates in the water. I gotcha. But does it mean that a phosphate level guarantees you'll have an algae problem? No, it does not. Exactly. So the same thing here. So he comes up with his calculation. And trust me, it is one mother of a calculation. Hmm. And it was mainly to be used for closed systems for um, wells and heating and water distribution and, and that type of thing. And I have a question real That's quick what... to interrupt you. Sorry. Um, I was told also one time, not by the same person as the calcium thing, but I was told that the LSI is based more on um, like the old copper piping and stuff. And so it's not necessarily as necessary. <laughs> we're getting to that. Okay. Check this out. We're getting to that. So right now so, we're talking about old plumbing in 1936. That's what this original thing is based off of. It's based off of a closed system, not for open bodies of water where the atmosphere actually plays a role as well. So that's oh. what this original thing is designed for. Okay. Except the math was super, super hard. It was not easy to do longhand beside a body of water or even at a facility. It took a long time to sit down and actually do all of this math. Without your phone. So in 1965, Carrier comes along. You know, Carrier Heating and Air Conditioning yeah. Company. Mm -hmm. They come along and they put together their own version of this. Oh. And they call it the LSI. So they took the PHS, um, Langlier's actual equation, and then they made changes to make it easier and they call it improved, right? They say it's improved, but to make it easier to simplify it. And that was then named the LSI, Langlier Saturation Index. So they took it, they changed it, and then they named it after. Hmm, that sounds shady. It gets better. Ooh. There was one more change that came up. What is it? 1974, a gentleman named John, and I'm going to butcher his name, mm -hmm. John Watowicz. I'm going to say John Wataleks, he's of ChemCon. He gets his hand on this and says, you know what? This doesn't take into consideration a lot of the stuff that we put into swimming pools that can contribute to the total alkalinity. So this is where that whole carbonate alkalinity conversation comes into play because he okay. says, you know what? Cyanurates are part of the measure, and they are. Total alkalinity measures carbonates, bicarbonates, hydroxides, and cyanurates but we don't want the cyanurates in there. So we have to account for those. He also said boric acid and other various metals all play a role in this total, total alkalinity and we don't want to include those. So he went through and he made some more math mathematical changes 
And that's when we came up with his version, the swimming pool industry version of the Langelier Saturation Index. So what we end up with is a product that really had nothing to do, except maybe in principle, with Langelier, Dr. Langelier himself. And a lot of people actually question if we've oversimplified it to the point where it's just not as accurate anymore. But changing it because a mathematical calculation was challenging, I get it at the time. But what about now? Well, it depends. Now we've started out. Sorry, I was just going to say it depends on how complicated we're talking. Does it really, though? Because we started out this conversation talking about LSI apps. Uh-huh. And if there's apps available for the easy one, right? with all the technology we have, why is there not an app available for the challenging one with the harder equations if it would be more accurate? Do you have an app machine? I do not. Oh, well, it sounds like you need one. <laughs> but do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got you. That so makes sense. I mean, nowadays, with the apps that you now can, it, sorry, have it calculated for you, that makes total sense. We don't need the easier one anymore because we use apps. Well, how much different is the original one from the one we're using? Ah, see, I put together an example and I calculated it each way. It's not like the metric example, is it? No, not at all. Go and grab your phone. If you have a uh, LSI app, a Langlier Saturation Index app on your phone, open it up. I'm going to give out some numbers. I want you to input the numbers, and we're going to do a couple of examples afterwards also, but it's going to be kind of interesting. So I'm going to give you a second to go get that app or open up your app, rather. Here's my body of water. I took a body of water, and you can jot these down if you want. I'm guessing you don't have a pen, so you won't. Wait, but it's way over there. if you wanted to. All right, so water temperature, it's all the same water. That's the point. So I started with a water temperature of 81 degrees, a pH of 7.5, a calcium hardness of 300 parts per million, a total alkalinity of 90 parts per million, cyanuric acid at zero, borate at zero, phosphates at zero, and total dissolved solids at 1,000 parts per million. Those are the numbers that I went with. Okay. So I calculated it using each of the three methods. So for 1936, Dr. Wilford Langelier, his PHS, we came up there with a pool that is super saturated and scaling is possible. Okay. Does that have a like a number like the LSI does? Like a It does, but they don't tie together. His number is 7.3, okay. but it's not the same setup. There. So it's so not like you super saturated. Compare. Not from that. Okay. We have to go based off of the final determination. Gotcha. So super saturated, scaling as possible. Then I calculated it with the carrier LSI, the first person to change it back in 1965, okay. where they came out with the simplistic version. And here we have that the water is definitely scale forming and corrosive. Now, 1974, Watoics, Pool Industry LSI, the one that we're using, we that the all L-SIP? the versions are based off of. The LSIP. Yes. Oh, sure. Thanks. Or the Wojohowitz Saturation Index. In either case, same numbers. Now, this is the saturation index you're familiar with. We came up with a 0.0, which means the water is absolutely Perfect. in balance with no scaling and or, and it's not corrosive. You could drink it if it wasn't butt water. Andrea said butt water. 
Exactly. But that's over since the time that Langolier developed this system all the way to the apps that we're using today. So he said it was, sorry. We went from being. I wanted to review real quick. So the original one was that the water was um, scale form, like it was. Possible. Saturated. Saturated saturated And scaling as possible. Scaling as possible. Okay. So that would be. Um, you know, okay, gotcha. The original scaling, right? Gotcha. Okay. Right. And then the second one kind of was like, meh, whatever, we're not going to use you anymore. And then, so the third one, <laughs> the third <laughs> not, one says not it's really, no, 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 no. Well, everybody, you know what? Outside of the pool industry, this second one is the one that most folks are using. So it's still important. Okay. And it's saying that the water is scale forming and corrosive. This one is the CSI, if anything's going to be the CSI. So they called it the Langolier Saturation Index. People started calling it the Carrier Saturation Index, and that's where you get the CSI. So it's not calcium, it's Carrier. Those are the folks who had changed it. Now, and then, and then the third the one, one is saying it, it's they're saying it's perfect. And that's the one we use today. Now, the only difference between those two should have been the contribution by cyanuric acid borates and, and some other things. And I used this off of I went with one of the more popular apps just to calculate what the third one was. I mean, I can do the math, but I decided to go with an app anyway. Mm-hmm. And I did not have cyanuric acid level of borate level or anything else that would be taken into consideration. Yet I have two very different readings. Oh, really? Did you use... So which ones? Which app did you use? I'm not telling you. <laughs> so yeah, sounds like you need an app machine because um, that's a good idea. Now, another thing that you might not be aware of is that with any of the three, none of them are designed to work with if the numbers are not within certain parameters and the top end for total dissolved solids happens to be 1,000 parts per million. So if you have a salt pool, you're pretty much... My questions are, one, if the technology is there, and it is, why don't we just use the original? Take the pool industry consideration of carbonate alkalinity, because that's the truth. We do use cyanuric acid and borates and such like that, so that should be considered. Mm-hmm. Make that adjustment, but mostly use the original one. Use an app to do the calculations, because we don't have to do it longhand anymore. And why not use that to see if the water's in balance or not? Makes sense. And people That's, are using apps poolside now anyway. Most of companies now require you to like log in, check in, put log records in an app. So it would make sense to have a calculator. Well, that's my other that question. If we're going to stay with the one that we have, do we even really need it? This is where you guys are really going to want to follow me on your app, on your LSI app, your saturation index app that you have in your phone. Because I want to show you how much we've oversimplified this. We've oversimplified it to the point where we don't even need the app because it's just too easy. But again, the question, how accurate? If you were just to look at your three values that have an ideal range that we're looking at, pH, total alkalinity, and calcium hardness, just looking at those three values alone, they each have an ideal range. If you shot for dead center of the ideal range for each of those three, that would make your pH 7.5, your calcium hardness 300 parts per million, and your total alkalinity 90. Of course, if you're using cyanuric acid, I still want to end up with a total alkalinity of 90, so you'll have to do the math and calculate Mm -hmm. the contribution to take it out. But total uh, carbonate alkalinity or total alkalinity of 90 parts per million, no matter what you do temperature wise or total dissolved solids wise up to about 3000 parts per million 
you're not going to have water that's out of balance if the water temperature is greater than 63 degrees. You're saying no, like the, it's, I got confused. I'm I'm sorry. I, I, my brain malfunctioned. So you're not, you're, you don't see that big of a difference in the numbers at the end is what you're saying. No, no. If your pH is absolute ideal, Mm 7.5 and your total alkalinity is 90 parts per million, which is dead center of the ideal range. Mm -hmm. And your calcium hardness is 300 parts per million, dead center of that ideal range. Right. As long as your water temperature is over 63 degrees and your total dissolved solids is 3,000 or less, your water will always be in balance. Oh. So there's no need to do the calculation at all. Well. Not on an app, not on a piece of paper, not with a pencil, not with a spin wheel, <laughs> slide, thing. Not at all. Unless you're in an area where the calcium hardness of your filled water is greater than 300 parts per million. That would really be the only exception. And go, by all means, check it out, do some examples. Set your pH at 7.5, your total alkalinity at 90, your calcium hardness at 300. That's about, Play around with the numbers. That's about how every single one of my pools is all the time. And if everybody just shoots for those numbers, they don't need the app. Now, I don't... <laughs> I think instead what people really are looking for is a dosing calculator. But yeah. if you just hit those three, nu- I mean, we spend a lot of time training people to calculate the saturation index. It's part of every certification course mm-hmm. that the industry requires, that health departments require. That's a lot of time, a lot of math, and sometimes people stress over it, but it's not really necessary. If you hit those three ideal ranges, your water is going to be in balance, even if it was a hot tub up to 104 degrees, what I said still stands true. So that app, not necessary. The piece of paper with all the sheets and the worksheets and such, not necessary. Just shoot for the ideal range on those three and you're gonna be good to go. And, And you know what? By all means, please take the app that you have on your phone, if you're listening, plug in those numbers, play around with it and see what you come up with. But I guarantee you, Like I said, as long as you're between 63 and 104 degrees and your total dissolved solids is 3,000 or less, you will always be in balance. So isn't it just easier to shoot for those three values instead of sit there and have to put numbers into an app? Yeah, no, it's totally easier. You're going to do it anyway. I mean, well, that's what I I was not. (laughs) I was joking, obviously, about how they are when I show up. But that's what I shoot for every visit. Those those exact three numbers, if I have a regular... Um, if I have a regular chlorine pool, I shoot for 300 calcium. If I have a salt pool, I shoot for 250. That's just the way I was trained, but. Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, there's always other things included in the apps. They want you to buy other chemicals that have Mm. nothing really to do with the saturation index, but Hey, they, they create, people create these apps, um, not for fun. They do it to draw more business in. So they're going to definitely recommend their product. I don't blame them. They deserve to make money. They created the app. Um, especially if it's in a free app, I yeah. mean, if you're paying for an app and then getting the commercial too, I mean, that's a little odd, but so we really don't even need it in that scenario. We've simplified the app to the point of its own extinction. That is, unless you're in an area where the calcium hardness comes out of the tap greater than 300 parts per million. Otherwise you don't need it. That's how much we've simplified it. So is it still as accurate? I mean, We're talking about a formula that was never intended to be used in an open 
body of water, something that was only designed to be used in closed systems. And the changes that we made only simplified it. There's really not been anything, even Carrier, when they had it and they changed it, they were still using it in a closed system. So our trying to figure out what to do with cyanuric acid and borates and those things, nothing accounts for the fact that we now have a body of water that's exposed to atmospheric pressure. But I can say we went from something that could not be calculated by hand on paper to something we don't need to calculate at all as long as you're hitting your ideal ranges. What do you think about that? I agree with you. Like I said, um, I definitely shoot for those. I, I mean, I like a 7.4 pH, but whenever I show with show up, it's a 7.6. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight too much, but I, I definitely like, <laughs> I definitely like shooting for those numbers for sure. It makes it so much easier because then you can just know what your, what your goals are at each pool chemistry. Absolutely. Well, and I'm not opposed to a dosing app either. I think dosing apps are great. I, yeah, that makes it so much I, easier. It's, it's, the calculation is real hard, especially with since everything is based on 10,000 gallons. If you have a 12.75 gallon pool, you know, obviously estimating is fine. That's pretty much what everybody does, but it'd be fun to be spot on accurate. For everybody that's out there listening, if you have any questions that you want to ask us, our email is talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. Uh, Ask us a question, send us a hat, whatever you got. We'd love to hear it, and we might just share it on the show. Andrea, take us out of here. All right. Well, like Rudy said, um, you can find us in all different places. Find us on social media. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, share an episode if it helped. Um, yeah, TikTok. <laughs> We're all over social media. So find us, say hi, ask us questions, give us advice to share. If it's good, we'll share it. My name is Rudy. And I'm Andrea. And, and I interrupt Rudy all the time. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 